Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, how much we need you. Father, I thank you for the ministry, the work of this praise team. I thank you every Sunday, how they lift our hearts toward you. Uh, because, uh, Lord, as, uh, as Brian reminded us, at the bottom line, we are given substantive evidence of things that are not seen through our faith in your word. So, Lord, make us full of faith and give us a relationship with your Holy Spirit through what you tell us today. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. You know, one of the uh, phenomena of our times is the existence of a brand new species of entrepreneur. And this new species has just evolved over the last decade or so as social media has grown so rapidly in importance in our lives, so much so that more than three and a half billion people use social media regularly. So that's about 45% of the population of the entire planet. So what had happened was um, we look to others on social media to guide us in buying our stuff. So this new social species that we look to are called influencers. And they are people who have built a reputation and a following. And so they make regular posts by blog or vlog or podcast or Insta or on Facebook or YouTube or other platforms to share their experience and most of the time self-proclaimed expertise. And, you know, the enthusiastic people that follow them uh, pay close attention to their views and their reviews and tend to put their dollars where they have been influenced by that social media personality. And brands love influencers because it's a cheap way of marketing and it can induce a viral social trends in favor of their product. But what we know from the study we're going to have today, and this is our thesis for today's study, is this. The Holy Spirit is the great influencer influencing people toward Jesus Christ and to give him glory. And I want us to get all we can and all God wants to give us about the Holy Spirit. I want him to be our key opinion leader. So I want us to set our hearts on not being satisfied with just getting a sip that saves Let's go on to the filling that buries the flesh. Let's go on to the life of resurrection power. Let's drink deeply of the Holy Spirit as we enter this summer together. I mean, we've got to do this. We absolutely need these three things that God's going to show us today. Because as we go now into the summer, I mean, if we don't get this down... Summer will be a wash. Summer will be a waste. Summer will be, it'll just be so much vanity when in actual fact, you and I don't know how short the time is. As a matter of fact, we'll finish up shortly this series on the Holy Spirit. We already started one on grace. I'm toying with the idea in the next book study to get into being the book of Daniel. And I don't preach on prophecy all the time, but it's been a minute since we were in Revelation. I'm just intrigued with the idea. Can I go through Daniel a chapter at a time? You know, at the end of the book, Daniel's told, seal this up until the end. 
I'm not going to be able to understand it right now. Seal it until the end. And I just wonder, are we close enough to the end that we can unseal some of it and find out where we are at with everything that's going on? So, so social media influencers can be categorized in three different ways. Number of followers, types of content, like is it a podcast or a media post? And then levels of influence as to are they a celebrity or are they just a thought leader? Likewise, John records Jesus telling us that the Holy Spirit's influence can be categorized three ways. Watch, watch, verse 7. Join me in verse 7, John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that key, the key here is the word reprove, translated in other verses as convict. When we use the word conviction, we say somebody's under conviction. It means the Holy Spirit is exposing their guilt to them. Another word that the James gang uses is convince. So let's today look at the Holy Spirit as God's influencer. The job of the Holy Spirit is to make spiritual truth from God absolutely clear to you and make real to you the unseen issues of our life. And then we are influenced to glorify God by relying on that unseen energy of the Holy Spirit. So first off, notice if you will, and this is number one, how the Holy Spirit convinces you of sin so that he can influence you to trust in the finished work of Christ. We must be influenced to accept Christ's sacrifice for sin on our behalf. Now, if you don't believe me, Then after you leave here, after you leave this place, and after you leave all these people that are in here together, the next five people you see after that, just do a quick survey and ask them, hey, are you going to heaven when you die? And you know, you will hear, well, I don't know if I believe in heaven, but then you'll hear, well, I think so, or I hope so, or I want to, but unless the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin and opens up the eyes of the other person to the free offer of everlasting life by grace, they will not say, I know so. They won't be able to say, "Ah, yes, I know I'm going to heaven. I mean, you will admit before you got saved, the Bible was not intelligible to you. I mean, that's why they keep dumbing it down today with all the modern versions The goal is to dumb it down because they want to make it understandable to the natural man without the the influence of the Holy Ghost, without the operation of preaching, without them getting saved. But that just waters the Bible down to where, okay, now you can understand it, but you know what? It doesn't really say much because it is not God's words. So really, even more than my preaching... You need the operation of the Holy Spirit, and you need it because it is his job to make the Bible clear, and it is the devil's job to influence you away from it, and the devil always does his job. 
So he uses your unredeemed flesh where sin dwells. I mean, it's not redeemed until the rapture of the resurrection. I mean, our soul, you know, our soul got saved. Our spirit came alive, but our body, I mean, we got to wait on that until rapture takes place. Jesus comes back for us or Jesus, we come back with Jesus at the resurrection. Uh, other people, you know, who die, have died first, they, they come up with us. So, okay, Satan's going to use the unredeemed flesh where sin dwells. He's going to use the spirit of this age and he's going to use this present world system. So Satan distracts people by influencing them with misconceptions about God, about the Bible, and about the good news of the gospel. He also distracts Christians with misconceptions about sanctification, about true spirituality, about intimacy with God through his words. So God sends the Holy Spirit as a great convincer to put us on track. And that's our first point for study. The Holy Spirit uses the hearing of God's word for the conviction, conversion, consolation, and sanctification of people. Those four things come from the hearing of God's word. So his usual and ordinary means of operation is to fasten your mind on the word of God and then give life and force through your contemplation of what God has said. But in order to do that, he's first got to get your attention. He has to break through all the sinful and all the satanic distractions. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. First, first, look at verse 9. First, regarding sin. Because they believe not on me, Jesus says. So there are three areas the Holy Spirit wants to influence you in. The first deals with sin because people do not understand two realities about sin. First, how exceedingly sinful sin is. They call it mistakes or bad habits. They chalk it up to heredity or environment. They refer to it as a weakness or a disorder. Uh, They blame it on past trauma or on the way they were born. But let me hit you with the Bible's definition. Sin is anything that offends the justice of an absolutely holy God And you are held responsible for that. So a lot of people don't realize that if they break even one commandment, they are held as guilty as if they broke them all. James chapter 2 verse 10. They do not understand that works of righteousness will not cancel out either their past sin, their present sin, or their future sin. Titus 3 verse 5. The issue is they've offended a holy God and they do not have and they can never earn enough merits to pay for that offense. So the Holy Spirit makes the definition of sin quite clear. He makes you see that you've fallen short of a divine standard, Romans 3.23. And God is so high and holy, it doesn't matter how sinless you are with reference to some other sinner... You know, we we look at somebody else and we say, well, you know, they're so low. They're down in the gutter. They're down below me. I mean, I'm a good person compared to them. But God is looking at you from the moon. 
God is on the moon looking at you, and you don't look one inch higher than the other person you're criticizing. So you may be a cultured sinner versus a crude sinner, but God sees you as a sinner until he sees you in Jesus Christ. All humanity falls far below the standard of God, including your parents, grandparents, priest, or pastor. And people have to be convinced of that by the Holy Spirit. We measure ourselves against Christians that we know who are worse off than us or the crack dealer down the street or, you know, our problem is if we can find anybody worse than us or doing anything worse than what we did, then we think we're as good as some and better than others and therefore we're okay with God. Or even if we did that in the past, but, you know, we we went through recovery, we recovered from it, well then we're okay with God. God should be privileged to let us into his heaven. Somebody else deserves hell, not us. And yet God says that he measures you not against that person down the street, not even against somebody else who's here. He measures you against the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Now let me illustrate that irrefutable idea. You remember how it was when you were in school, and you did the best that you could, but you still had hope because the teacher graded on a curve. And the teacher graded on a curve. But, you know, there was always this one nerd who always got an A. And, you know, you got mad at Mr. Smart Alec because he aced it and he made your failure unacceptable. And, And the problem with Jesus is that he breaks the curve. And you can believe that you're okay until the Holy Spirit convicts you by him. The second reality about sin is that we must be influenced on the fact, and this is letter B, that the ultimate sin is to reject God's appointed substitute. You commit the ultimate sin, whatever else you may or may not have done in life, when you reject the Holy Spirit's offer of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus promises you everlasting life if you will believe him for it, if you are convinced. Grace is the finished work of Christ operating on your behalf as you activate it by faith. So Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, that's as clear as I can make it. And there's a lot of theology wrapped up in this. I'm just going to summarize it here, and this is our second point for study. The cross of Christ is what satisfies the demands of a holy God on behalf of all humanity for all time. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says... And he, Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation means Jesus was a substitutionary substitute for you. He died in your place. That's as clear as I can make it. It was the Christ for the criminal. You are the criminal. 
And God is now free to justify any man or woman anywhere on this planet to declare them as righteous as if they'd never sinned, if only they will trust in this transaction made for you by Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is such wonderful news that it's called the gospel. And the Holy Spirit is sent to convince you that you are a sinner and convince you of the ultimate sin so that he can influence you to accept the gospel. Then second, second, on the other hand, the Holy Spirit brings influence, verse 10 says, to righteousness. Because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. So this is number two. The Holy Spirit convinces you of unbelief so that he can influence you to live to a new standard of righteousness. And the reason you have to be convicted is because Jesus is no longer here physically to demonstrate his righteousness. So we do not see him walking down the street healing sick people. We do not see him pulling devils out of people who are possessed. He has ascended, so now it is the job of the Spirit of God to influence you to believe that Jesus has the righteousness to remove your sin. In doing that, the Holy Spirit has to differentiate Christ from all other cult leaders and false messiahs and, and leaders of other religions. You know, Confucius, Confucius was a very able, very articulate dude. And Confucius had many wise and witty sayings. Confucius say, a person who run in front of a car get tired. Confucius say, person who run behind a car get exhausted. Confucius say, dirty hands always make your nose itch. Confucius say, if you want to see doctor, you have to be patient. Confucius say, person who run off a cliff is jumping to conclusion. Confucius say, if the shoe fits, find another one just like it. Confucius say, wise man makes sure his wife's birthday cake is a few candles short. (laughs) Confucius say that, you know, when a man say that it cannot be done, he should get out of the way of the woman doing it. What did Confucius say? What did Confucius say when he spit into the wind? It all comes back to me now. You know, Jesus died one day and rose on Sunday. So it won't be old Buddha that's sitting on the throne. And it won't be old Muhammad that is calling us home. It won't be Hare Krishna that plays that trumpet tune. We're going to see the sun, not Reverend Moon. The reason Christianity exists is because the tomb is empty. And we can be saved eternally because Jesus tasted our death on our behalf. So first, first the Holy Spirit influences you about your standing before God. And then second, he influences you on the criteria and the availability of righteousness. And then in the final analysis, the Holy Spirit convinces you to take it serious. Look at verse 11. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So that's number three. The Holy Spirit convinces you of judgment so that he can influence you to be prepared to meet God. 
Some people get scared into heaven. And you know what? That's all right, actually. Uh, that was Bobby Bonner's testimony. We had him with us a few months ago. It, I think it's okay to be blistered into glory. Why? Because judgment is real. How do we know it's real? Because Satan's been judged. He is the prince of this world. Now, can you see the sequence in this progression? You had to be influenced about sin to understand Christ's righteousness. Then you had to be influenced toward Christ's righteousness to understand God's judgment. The God of this world, the ruler of darkness, is judged. And if he did not get away with it, who is the ringleader, then neither will anyone who continues in their sin following after him. I know just what you're saying. If you're here and you're not asleep, you're saying, look, Alan, I'm not one of the devil's followers. I never voted to spend eternity with the devil and his angels. Well, yes, you did. As a matter of fact, every time you sin, you cast your vote. Watch, John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on, on Jesus is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So you don't have to be a Satan worshiper. All you've got to do is be unsaved. Jesus says you were born into the devil's family, John 8, 44. Paul says that you are in Adam by virtue of your physical birth. And you've got to be put in Christ by getting a second birth. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. So, this is our third point for study. Wittingly or unwittingly, until you accept Jesus, the devil is influencing your life with his agenda. So I need you to know, Satan's judgment becomes the judgment of anyone who rejects Jesus. But let me just say, that this, this convincing work is not just the job of the Holy Spirit. If you are not bearing witness as a Christian, then you are not giving the Holy Spirit anything to use to influence others with. The Holy Spirit uses His Word in your mouth as His mechanism to convict, convince, and convert others. So every believer works in harmony as a witness with the Holy Ghost. But let me say this concerning the work that, that he does. It's not just a work that he does on sinners, this convicting work. It is also the work of the Holy Spirit on saints because his name is Holy Spirit and his job is to make Us uncomfortable with our present level of sanctification, our present level of set-apartness to God's mission, our present level of consecration to God in ministry. That is why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Spirit. Do not throw water on the Holy Spirit when He's trying to light up your conscience. Because this is our fourth point for study. Your conscience is the way that the Holy Spirit influences you. 
And the Bible says it's possible to cauterize your conscience, to become so calloused, you no longer feel shame. You no longer feel guilt. 1 Timothy 4.2. So Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What brings sadness to the Spirit is it's not just your sin, it is your lack of growth in sanctification. And the Holy Spirit who has sealed you from the inside is holy. It is His job to bring you holiness, and He does His job. So do not grieve Him by refusing it and not walking in the Spirit. Now that brings us to the final issue, which is fellowship. And this is our fifth point for study. The Holy Spirit convicts the saints in order to influence them to restore fellowship. And this is not about salvation. I mean, it convicts sinners of of their need for salvation. So it's not a matter of relationship, because once you get saved, once you are born again, you are always God's child after that. I mean, we talk about people being unsaved. Um, and, and I guess I could quarter, sort of sound like, well, they were saved and got unsaved. But that's not what we mean. You're unsaved because you never got saved. And while the Bible talks about you being born again, there's no verse that says you can get unborn. So the Holy Spirit convicts the saints over the issue of fellowship because of their sin. Look at 1 John 1. Begin in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Well, how come the cleansing of my sin only comes if I am walking in the light? Because it is only when you are in the light that you even see sin as sin. I mean, sin, after you get saved, it still separates you from God's fellowship. It will not send you to hell. Jesus took care of that. But if you are a sinning saint, you are out. John clearly says, if you're a sinning saint, you are out of fellowship with God. And when you sin in darkness and stay in darkness, eventually you don't see anything wrong with your sin. Because it's all the same color and it all blends in. And that explains a whole lot right there, doesn't it? This world is in darkness. Our country is in darkness. Our schools are in darkness. And it is only when you turn on the light and influence that they can see their stain, whether saved or lost. Satan knows it with most of us. If he can get us to sin in our first waking thought, then we stay out of fellowship with God all day long. I mean, that is why we don't walk in the Spirit like we should. But you know, he's given us our conscience, and our conscience alerts us in real time. So when the Spirit convicts you, you have an opportunity for revival. You say, okay, Alan, but what about all the things that I don't even know are sin? Or what about all the things that I forgot to confess? Well, that is also covered by the convicting ministry of the Holy Ghost. Since verse 9 of 1 John 1 says, If we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But look, he goes beyond that. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, not just the ones you confessed. So this is our final point for study. God cleanses you from all unrighteousness. If you just confess the sins you know, which the Holy Spirit has convicted you for. Take care of the sins you're convicted over. God covers the ones you don't know or forgot. Why? Because his grace is exceedingly abundant. 1 Timothy 1.14. So be specific with God today and his grace will cover for what you did not confess yesterday. The convicting work of the Holy Spirit is to let you know that you are grieving God, you are quenching his activity, so then he can bring you to confession and have revival. So if you feel a pang today, respond to to it. Not in anger, not in defensiveness, but in humility and submission. Because Hebrews 4.7 says that he limiteth it to a certain day. God is limiting his conviction of you to a certain day. The Holy Spirit is limiting his work in your life to a certain day. Just like it says in David, today, after so long a time. As it is said today, if you will hear his voice, hardened not your hearts. So there is no limited atonement But there are limited opportunities. And if you do not feel that pang of conscience and remorse at sin, then pray right now and ask God to give you a pull. I mean, if you're you're taking sin lightly in your life, then hurry up today and ask the Holy Spirit to unblind your eyes and let you see. Ask him to draw your heart right now, lest you go too far And get removed. And the pull is there for the Christian as much as for the unbeliever. Because if you trifle with the Holy Spirit as a believer, if you do not take serious his call to sanctification, you forfeit the blessings of grace. Oh, boo. None of us is perfect. None of us does not wrestle with sin in our life. But when you stop wrestling and you make peace with it, When those sins are not sinful anymore to you and you put off the Holy Spirit in waging that warfare, then you are in jeopardy of judgment and the discipline of God. You may even be liable to the sin unto death. You know, I really put off preaching this passage. We've had a lot lot of good messages on the Holy Spirit together. And I tried to get out of addressing this topic related to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we're, we're getting ready to enter on the summer, and people are coming back after the pandemic, and we had a good Easter, and, and uh, we don't know how short time is. And so I just said, look, let's not miss anything God has for us. Let us so reverence the Spirit that we do not grieve Him or quench Him in our midst. Let's not quench even the faintest influence that he has upon us. Let's foster every movement of God. Let's be ready to obey every prompting. So here's the bottom line this Sunday, and then I bid you good day. If the Holy Spirit is so mighty 
And let's decide to do nothing without him. I mean, let's not carry on any ministry without seeking him. Let's not, let's not, let's not do any talking about him without asking him to touch our tongues so we can witness. Let's ask him to make intercession so we can pray. Let's ask him to conquer our sins so we can be more holy. Let's have no life apart from the life of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let's not worship him for any less than he is. You know, I do believe that we've got to seek God for what he's promised. But once we seek him for it, we can do wonders. Because Jesus says, God will give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask for him. Luke 11, verse 13. You say, Alan, okay, but what do we do now? What do I do next? Well, wake up and cry out in prayer with me. I mean, every, every summer we give up either Sunday night or Wednesday night because there's so many other things that, that we will be doing together. And so tonight is our last Sunday night and we're going we're gonna to recognize the Iwana kids. I hope all the adults will come out, help us celebrate the kids who learned their Bible uh, over the last eight or nine months. And then after that, no Sunday nights, but we're keeping Wednesday night. That's our Feed the Soul service. That is our prayer night together. Wake up and come out. And let's intercede for God. I mean, if you, even if you can't be here with us, let's ask God to bear his arm on our behalf. Let's give him no rest until he speaks the word and his Holy Spirit works with power to influence that lost person, to influence that lost person in your network of neighbors and family and friends and to influence that lukewarm Christian. I want the Holy Spirit to work as we speak the word of the gospel, Acts 15, 7. And I also want him to work to speak in your heart if you're still lost right now. Today, will you believe on Jesus for everlasting life? The, the Holy Spirit wants to convict you so that you are influenced to repent of your sin, accept Christ's righteousness, and yield yourself to him. That is the map of the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. Those three destinations. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every Christian, please be in prayer. You know, this Sunday, does it seem like there's nobody else in this room besides you? I mean, some Sundays are like that. It seems like I'm only speaking to you. That is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that all of heaven will rejoice if you repent and come to Christ because it glorifies God for you to trust in his finished work on the cross to save you and nothing else. That glorifies God. You know, usually if a felon is convicted, they're sentenced, they're judged immediately, right away. But instead, God inserts a middle step. You're already under condemnation, but he has not yet sentenced you. There's this middle step where he convinces you of the righteousness of Christ and his finished work on the cross. He convinces you that you need a righteousness by faith. Not a righteousness by religious good works. A righteousness that comes through the merits and the worthiness of someone else who fulfilled God's law in your place. And you know, that, that seems like a way of salvation so improbable 
that you need the Spirit of God to convince you of it. So do not reject God's mercy. Believe for yourself right now so that Christ's righteousness can count for you. And all you have to do is pray. I mean, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. All you got to do is pray. Just pray right now and say, Jesus, I trust you for eternal life. I mean, I see right now, I see it today. I see what your word says. You are the righteous one, not me. God's not going to let nobody into his heaven except Jesus, but he'll let me in if I am in Christ. So Heavenly Father, I pray, put me in Jesus Christ today. I believe, so I receive. Make me born again, because I'm asking it in Jesus' name. And if you'll give Jesus your life, he'll give you his life. And then the Holy Spirit will fill you as you get into God's word. And then as you trust his word, God's grace is activated by your faith. And the word of God is what does the work in your life, which carries on into God's purpose for you in eternity. So if you prayed like that today, come meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front. And I want to give you a book that I've written that'll show you the next steps in the Christian life.